Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the China Startup Pulse. Whew. And today, yeah, we got a pretty, pretty killer yeah. guest. Dave Siminski. Dave Siminski. Um, yeah, we're, we'll obviously go through his bio um, right after the, the break here. It was an amazing conversation because, you know, he came out with Apple and was, was you know, as a merchandising yeah. for their Apple store, the first Apple store in Beijing, and then ended up a three-month contract turned into, well, what is now what is still now? forever, yeah. uh, presently <laughs> still here um, since like 2009, he said. Yeah, um, 2009 so, to now. Pretty crazy. And, and, and he's opened a lot of different companies, doing a lot of different things. And he finally hit with a coffee business here in Shanghai called Sumerian, which then turned into Dogtown, which then turned into Boom Boom. Yeah. He's got these three amazing businesses going, and he's got his own B2B coffee import. Yeah, Sumerian's the coffee, yeah. Dogtown's the, the beer, bar, yeah. and, and, and then uh, Boom uh, Boom Boom's bagels. the bagel, the bagel yeah. place. And opportunities that he saw and that he had here in China yeah. were uh, incredibly enabling and, and gave him the uh, not only the opportunity and perspective, but the ability to go out and do it and make it happen and try different things. He tried. He did, yeah. he did vending machines before. He failed at a bunch of stuff before. He did. He was able he to did. actually yeah. get, get the yogurt traction machines he and, yeah. and things. I mean, he's he's tried a lot of things. The real talk. Oh, I love his real talk. Well, yeah. I mean, he talks about real things like how he got thrown in jail, and yeah. we'll let him tell you why and why he got sued by two previous employees. How to deal. And then who one of them actually opened up a, a similar concept just down the street and yeah. then tried to do business with him and partner in us and sell their coffee beans, yeah. and, you know, because of just that's the way business is done here. And he'll, he'll, you know, explain more about that towards the end of the conversation. So, you know, really, really interesting. I mean, he's, he's, awesome. he's quite pro on, on China. He really does believe it's a land of opportunity. And, um, you know, he's living example of that, uh, that it can, you can be successful here. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. Do it. Hey guys, we are here with Dave Siminski, and I'm going to do a quick little bio to yeah, quick uh, rundown, bullet quick points. rundown, bullet yeah. point, say everything. So uh, Dave Siminski is from San Diego, California. Hey, hey. And he actually has been an entrepreneur since he was in uh, lower school. He actually, he told me that he started a um, candy ring selling now and laters and having other people sell now and laters for him. And he continued that into uh, so awesome. doing gardening art, gardening startups, and then finally going to Cal Poly and graduating as a financial engineer, which is a real thing. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just learned that. Learned that. Yeah. Yeah. And then he actually did, uh, he thought he wanted to be doing VC and uh, uh, investing. And so he joined Milestone Venture Partners in New York, mm -hmm. and then eventually said, you know what, I'm doing something different. Went to join Apple and Cupertino. Who? Apple, yeah, yeah, Don't exactly. Know it. Don't know, no, Don't yeah. Know it. <laughs> and he joined them in 2002 and actually came over to China in 2009 with Apple to help launch the Beijing store. Three months, promise, became six months, became, you know, forever, like the, the common story of, of being in China. Yep. And in 2012, he left and started his own company called Sumerian, which is a coffee shop in Shanghai that also does B2B importing and coffee and all these kind of specialty services. Amazing coffee, some of the best in China. Absolutely hooked on it. And then kept on going. 2014, started Dogtown. And then also in 2015, started Boom Boom Bagels. It's all these concepts. You're building all these brick and mortar foundation kind of ideas here in Shanghai, and you're wildly successful. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, Dave. it's good to be here. 
Yeah, yeah super famous. Uh, I've only been in Shanghai like two and a half years, but you know, ever since I came, I've just been hearing about Samaria and Samaria. A lot of it came from you, yeah. actually, Brian. <laughs> I, uh, I, I just I'm, like Samaria. Let's go to Samaria. You should get some Samaria. Just, the yeah, family, you, you're, you're just going to Samaria. Unconsciously, just <laughs> dropping it in the middle of random sentences about other things. It just it was it was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, welcome to the show, man. That's uh, good to be here. Now, first of all, congratulations on all the success and everything that you've done here. Very amazing. Thank you. Uh, so uh, let's let's talk about, uh, you know, how, you work for Apple. Correct. Just a little bit about how that was. I mean, I, like, I think just a lot, of, a lot of people would like to know, what's it like to work for Apple? Uh, Apple was, a, I mean, it is and it was a great company. I, you know, when I started there in 2000, uh, 2002, 2003. It was a long time. Um, it was a long time ago. I mean, it was... Um, it's it's different in that uh, there's a lot more free thing. I mean, I, I to be honest with you, I've worked for a VC and I, then I've worked for Apple and then I had my own business. So, yeah. I, you know, I can't make a lot of strong comparisons against it, but I can say that, you know, what, how I felt was that the company was very, um, you know, they, they really promoted, you know, freedom of thinking. There was no, there's really no boundaries as to um, going about doing something or creating something in a certain way. Mm. I think if it was new, people were interested. Um, so that was the type. That was the type of culture. Now, what I will tell you about it, when I had started in Apple retail, um, that was in around 2004, uh, what was actually pretty cool is that what Steve, what Steve Jobs liked to do is he liked to keep a lot of either uh, the secret products team or a new product being retail on the same floor as him. Um, so we, when I had initially... Uh, I'd say about a year into working for Apple, where I was actually put on the same floor with Steve um, and in, in the entire nice. executive team. So every now and then, you would, you know, we'd, I'd get to encounter them walking through the uh, through a corridor, which was kind of cool. I think at the time, you know, you really didn't understand that you were. Uh, I no, mean, this was early. Yeah. It's, I yeah. mean, you're looking back on it now. I mean, it's it's pretty huge, um, and uh, you know, you did the. There were stories, you know, people were concerned about getting in the elevator, uh, you know, getting questioned what you're going to do uh, by Steve. Because, you know, there, there, there was those rumors that you kind of, you know, see on. He was a lot of internally things. kind of famous or infamous for that. Oh, definitely. Oh, oh yeah. 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 I mean, he was. But, you know, I have never experienced it, nor have I uh, seen or heard of anyone who actually experienced. There were stories that were passed around. Yeah. Um, but all in all, I mean, it was a fantastic experience. I would say that's really where. Um, you know, I, I got to work with people who I learned a great deal from and, you know, not so much about, you know, my role and my job, but more so about a kind of a different way of thinking, mm-hmm. a different way of, of looking at uh, retail, a different way of looking at products, a different way of looking mm-hmm. at design, which is, you know, completely different from my background as a, you know, finance. Yeah. But and even it, yeah. mm-hmm. it got you to uh, China, right? In 2009. In 2009, it did get me to China. Yeah, there was uh, essentially and in 2009, there wasn't a lot of folks that raised their hand or opted to come to China. Um, because at the time we had, we had one store here. Um, and, you know, typically as a merchant, you know, the more stores you have, uh, the more uh, sway you have with a particular vendor. Yeah. Um, and so uh, in 2009, you know, I, I raised my hand um, and, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, a lot of guys were like, why do you want to go to China? And, you know, that's, that's, and the answer was simple. That's where it's happening. That's, that's the next frontier. Yeah. Um, you know, U.S., U.S. is great, but, you know, if you're if you really want to do business, China's the place to be. Um, so I had came here in 2009 thinking I was only going to be here three months. And, you know, as you said, it, you know, I've been here uh, nearly eight years now or over eight <laughs> years now. So, um, you know, I definitely I do think uh, China is a probably one of the best places in the world for entrepreneurs um, because there is a significant amount of opportunity. Um 
with a limited amount of ideas. Did you have any kind of uh, passion for doing your startup during your almost 10 years at Apple when you were even in China? Were you kind of like planning this? Was this something that was on the back burner? Oh, yeah. yeah. You had some ideas. You were like experimenting. Oh, uh, yeah. I was not necessarily with coffee. There was <laughs> not with coffee. <laughs> not ne- oh, I, I've always been drinking a lot of coffee. And, you know, in the U.S., if, if you were to say, I'm going to start a coffee company at, you know, at the time, you'd just be like, what? I mean, because there's there's so many. It's the market's just saturated uh, with it, right? So you know the the risk is high, the cost of entry is high uh, in the U.S., and so it just wasn't. It didn't it didn't appear on paper. It didn't appear to be a great investment. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you know, so I you know I just I dabbled in things more for you know getting experience, just how the real world works. And so, you know, I had a, I had a vending machine business, for example, mm. and I, I actually even put vending machines inside the Apple office and I, I got a lot of shit for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new thing. This is a new idea. Was, it, was, was the vending machine with candy? No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't even like, <laughs> this was like an old M&M, M&M and like bubble gums, like one of those like yeah. dual old oh, school old vending, school like vending where you just put a quarter in. And I'll tell you, it, it did well. It did really well. Wow. Um, and so, but then from there, you know, I got into, uh, <laughs> you know, I did B2B with, with schools. I was in, uh, we used to provide uh, yogurt machines to school and sell them uh, the powder to use in the machines. Uh, so I've, I've always been an interested in business. Yeah, I mean, it it's like just, you've always been trying to find the right angle. Exactly. It's, and, and that's why, you know, for me, China was, it was just a, a glowing opportunity when the opportunity presented itself to me. I mean, how did, how did that come about, both the vending machine or the yogurt machine? Did, was there a few things that kind of landed in your lap and you thought, well, I'll just put those together and there might actually be a business here or something. I mean, it's like you didn't come up with the whole thing from scratch. You know, the the inspiration and a couple things happen and then you know somebody doing this and that or whatever and then you just kind of see it. And it's like, oh, it's financial engineering. Yeah, yeah. so so essentially (laughs) how the the vending machine business came along was – you know, I had met with some pretty big players uh, in the in the business, well, in the vending machine business that, you know, supplied all of Apple. They supplied uh, Cisco. And, the, and these guys were just, I mean, killing it. Uh, they had these large accounts and some of these large accounts were just, you know, bringing in a lot of money. And it was it was a business model that didn't require an incredible amount of resources and capital. Mm-hmm. It didn't provide a lot of uh, I would say, I guess you can call it consumer interaction to where, uh, you know, if you're not going to have a lot of issues or customer feedback. And, you know, when you open up a cafe, you have uh, three to 400 people coming in and there's, you know, a tremendous amount of opportunity for, uh, you know, a bad experience. Um, whereas with a vending machine, it's simple. You know, you, the worst thing that can happen is somebody's quarter gets stuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was for me. It was it was it, 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 it was low risk, <laughs> and it was an opportunity for me to really experience how. Yeah. I mean, it, I would say the vending machine business is is a really good example of just how a, a large business will work. I mean, you're you're you have inventory, you have investment, you have you know you're calling customers, um, and you know in a, in a lot of ways, you know, I'm doing that now. Except the customers are just much larger, yeah. um, and uh, you know, there's there's more on the line. But you know, the uh, uh, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of similar factors in both, and I, mm-hmm. I would say in every single venture I tried or I, I pursued, you know, I took something away from that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not all of them were successful, but 
you know, yeah, I think you just gotta have some uh, failures to hundred percent, hundred percent, and and just that. But you know, as you go and as you start more and larger businesses, you gain more confidence and you get more know how. And um, you know, for me, it provided me a, an amazing background to come into China and to uh, yeah. to launch Sumerian. But I would say even more so, I think, you know, the, the experience at Apple was was much it was, was very similar. I mean, we're doing, you know, as a merchant, you're working with, you know, you're working with large brands and you're dealing with, a, you know, a lot of per, a, a lot of purchases that have a high monetary value. Um, so, you know, with that, that also obviously assisted in yeah. um, in Sumerian. So, mm-hmm. do you want to? What are some of the biggest challenges? I mean, that that you've had, um, you've had, a, you know, a lot of successes yeah. but, and, and things are going well. You seem quite high on, on China. Yeah. Great place to, to start a business. I generally counsel pretty much everybody I meet, 99% of people I meet to not bother. Yeah. I th- strictly because I think that they are, they see dollar signs or something. They, they're very naive. Correct. Um, they don't have China experience. They just see 1.4 billion people. Correct. They don't have this there. I'm going to go and be hugely successful, you know, and they just, yeah. I mean, you do a brick and mortar business. So you even have extra layers of complexities in landlords and permits and, yeah. you know, all the rest of things. So and, oh my God. I just, yeah, I mean, is it all, is it all just uh, rainbows and, and roses or, uh, you know, there's a lot, obviously a lot of external challenges in, in China, government and, uh, you know, employees, language barrier, so on and so forth. But I would say the biggest challenge I encountered was my personal challenges mm-hmm. right? and, and mm-hmm. more or less is it was, you know, there was times where uh, you just get frustrated, um, you know, because again, when you have, um, a tremendous amount of money on the line when you have all your savings on the line and when you have, you know, 30 people relying on you um, and things aren't going in the way, you know, it's, it's how do you, how you cope with those issues and those problems um, that even either puts you ahead of the pack or brings you back. Um, and I would say, you know, when I had started out, I was, you know, I, I, you're, you're emotional in, you know, small problems. What were I, but what I had thought were, Big problems then are just incredibly minute, small problems now. Um, but it's it's <laughs> it's really a transformation into your into your person, uh, yeah, personal, yeah, yeah your uh, personality. Or, yeah, correct. Uh, In order to adapt to this changing role from going to a corporate to a, you know, I'm I am overseeing people, I'm overseeing money, I'm overseeing a lot of purchasing decisions, yeah. and if I f up. Then it's on me. You know, this is uh, just like, because I'm, I'm now reading the hard things about hard things since Todd's told me, no matter what in my life, I have to read this book. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sounds a lot like you're highlighting the struggle. Yeah. You know, the struggle isn't um, just, just getting out of bed and making it happen. The struggle is the really hard things, like firing your best people and trying to find a way to not disappoint having everybody rely on you and things not going bad and asking your whole team to give everything they have again and again for you. Well, it's, and that's a hundred percent. I mean, and, and also as, you know, as a startup, as most startups have, they are, um, you know, money's not really in your favor. You know, you're, you have a lot of bills and it's, it's managing, um, managing other companies expectation of when they're either going to receive payment or when mm-hmm. you're going to get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of those things, you know, you're, you're cash tight. I mean, with, with a startup and you're, um, you know, I've had a lot of very bad conversations with a lot of companies, and I wouldn't even call them conversations, mm-hmm. <laughs> more of arguments, right? But you have to, 
you have to prioritize, you know, your people over, you know, paying a customer or paying a, a supplier. Um, you have to push certain uh, customers to pay on yeah. time so you can, you know, you pay your employees so you can keep the machine running. Um, and so with that, with that internal kind of internal personal war going on, you know, I think you just have to have the foresight to see at the end of the day, it's going to be the people uh, mm. that supporting you that are going to make it come together. But again, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really, it's a personal struggle. It's a really big personal struggle with, you know, when you have, you know, employees complaining, you have vendors complaining, you have <laughs> customers that aren't, aren't, aren't paying on time and you're getting pulled in all these different negative direct, I guess you can say negative directions that you just want to you know, uh, not, not, not give up. I never, I never wanted to give up, but you just, you, you wanted the problems to go away. And what I would say, it's those problems that definitely make you a smarter business person. So, you know, going through the, the agony, the pain, the, the arguments, all of that, you know, at the end of the day is going to make you better at what you do. Okay. Well, when we come back from the break, uh, yeah. we'll talk a little bit more about some of the details around just even setting up a company structure, yeah. um, accepting payments, how you work, uh, your, 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 your cash flows in and out, um, how that works in China, um, how it probably differs from, from in the US, um, even just, you know, and again, just, you know, talent and marketing and sales and things that you do uh, here, tips and tricks, and just mm-hmm. generally being an entrepreneur uh, in China yeah. uh, and, you know, the headwinds therein. So we'll talk about that yeah. when we come back from the break. All right. Hey, everyone. We want to give a shout out to our sponsors. China Accelerator is the number one accelerator in the East. They are a mentorship-driven program that takes your ideas from all over the world and helps you make them successful in China. At the same time, we take great ideas from inside China and help them grow all over the world. If you want to find out more, please visit www.chinaaccelerator.com and batch 10 applications are going to be open soon. So it's a really good opportunity to get in there. We also want to thank our other sponsor, People Squared. Uh, People Squared is the largest and best co-working space across China. They've got eight or nine spaces in Shanghai. They've got spaces up in Beijing. They've got spaces down in Shenzhen. Uh, They really are the best community of people to be dealing with here. So if you have a startup and you're coming to China, People Squared is your number one choice. And we'd also like to thank our syndication partner, TechNode. They are the number one source for news and information about the startup ecosystem, what's going on inside of China. They also work with TechCrunch and helped publish and syndicate that. So we're really happy to have them on as a syndication partner. You can find out more at technode.com. All right, everybody, we are back and we're with, with Dave. I'm not even going to try and pronounce your last name because I, <laughs> I actually haven't said it at all. Zeminski? Zeminski. Yeah. There, there we wow. go. Not there bad. Go. Look at that. I didn't even practice. Promise. Listener. I practiced I, days. I know. Well, you need name. to. And you nailed it, though. <laughs> you did it. Like, so far, Ryan is, 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 is know. you know, edit free on this, on this podcast. <laughs> 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 he hasn't really Just, messed up any of the words and things and uh, stuff. It's this been, is, this it's is been good. good. This is a good day for me. Knock on wood, though, cool. buddy. Cool. Uh, all right. Um, let's talk a little bit about it. So, so, you know, during the break, we were chatting a little bit about different things that we wanted to continue with, and we went way too many to compress into the 15 minutes we have left. So, what, which one do we want to start with? What do you think? Um, Real talk. Real talk. Yeah, that was actually a topic. We were just like, you know, talking about, you know, being very real about startup here, right? Yeah. We don't want to paint the super rosy picture of the successful dude with the, you know, came in with Apple. These, you have had a lot of success, you know, with Sumerian or Boom Boom and, and all these things. And, and, and of course, the, the candy mafia um, circles. The candy, candy mafia, mafia circles. Yeah, you don't you know, 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 know,
but <laughs> you know, I mean, there, you know, struggles, struggles. You yeah. must have had some really, I mean, managing cash flows. If somebody's coming over, they want to do wine, which suddenly blew up in China. They want to do coffee, which really is blown up in China. Um, you know, and it's it's just there's managing cash flows, dealing with suppliers, watching, you know, managing inventory mm-hmm. and, and yep. all these kinds of things. As a startup, doing it in a country, you're not a native. And you... That couldn't have always gone well. No, no, it, it, it definitely hasn't. Um, you know, I think um, there's a... I've been... a. Well, I've been approached and, you know, there's a lot of examples of companies, of individuals who've come to China. They see the numbers. They see the growth. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Population, they, GDP, yeah. blah, blah, blah. They get giddy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think what they they really lack, what, what just getting, just looking at China on a piece of paper is, is a bit more challenging than actually coming here and actually starting a business um, and, and doing it. Because one, you don't know um, the, you know, people try and categorize uh, the, the population here in, in China, you know, just the, uh, the demographic. Just, you can't generalize 1.3 billion people. Mm. Um, you know, you have, you know, 50% of the population was born after 1980. So you have a, a huge uh, number of uh, adults that have been exposed to Western um, Western culture, Western products, Western goods, and then you have another fifty percent um, who were who are the, their parents who are yeah. you know kind of who uh, experienced the Mao era, yeah, correct. So just <laughs> directly came out of that, ding, ding. correct. That's so insane. that's opposite sides of the spe- ends of the spectrum, completely different sides of the spectrum. And then you have people who you know live in rural cities, tier two cities, tier one cities that you know have different types of exposure. So you know we have, I would say, on a you know a monthly basis, we I have a new either app coming to me like a food app saying, hey, we want to launch this food app. Or mm-hmm. I have another uh, green bean uh, supplier coming from Colombia or uh, uh, Ecuador saying, hey, we want to send a, a, a container of beans over. And I think, you know, a lot of misconception is, is that people think it's just, you know, everyone's buying, everyone's purchasing and it's, and it's easy to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think you see this with like even some big box retailers. You see it with like Home Depot and Best Buy who've, who've, who've pulled out that, you know, they didn't it's you're if you come to China, you got to be here for the long term. I mean, you're, you're not yeah. just going to pop something up in a year or two years and say and, you know, cash your check. Yeah. Um, it's going to cost you money um, and it's going to cost you money doing marketing. It's going to cost you money probably doing, you know, conventions, just getting your name out there. So I would say, you know, first, if you do plan to to start a business in China, do your research as a foreigner, as a foreigner, do your research. Mm-hmm. You know, is there. You know, if you want to sell almonds, if you want to, you know, start a, you know, a food app, if you, you know, I mean, people probably see there and there is some opportunity for some of, you know, what's happening in the U.S. that's not here yet. But I would, you know, as far as apps go and as far mm-hmm. as products go, you know, but you just got to do your research and you. Uh, and that doesn't come easy either. Like there is doing research, you know, there's going online and stuff. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, backpack around China for a couple of months and get a feel for it. Yeah. Still not. I mean, yeah, it's almost like you just kind of really kind of have to take the risk and just take the plunge. I just think that you have to really immerse into trying to do business here and working and and all kinds of things, dealing with a landlord, renting an apartment or Uh, just like it just, you know, 
But there's a lot of things that are not related to the business that also throw uh, wrenches into your plans. <laughs> which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, Just which is living and being and making sure you, you know, yeah, you get your survive. visa right, right? Yeah, Dave? yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So what, ha- what happened with your visa? So I, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. After. So, right, uh, right. so this is, no, this is last year. Uh, well, before I go into that, let me let me just tell you, yeah. you know, some of the hiccups yeah. that I have is yes. that with particularly with communication. And I would say mm. there's been a couple incidences where, uh, you know, communications cost me a lot of money. Um, and, you know, there was, you know, we had one vendor who had, uh, you know, came to us and said, we want to sell 10,000 coffee bags per month. Uh, we signed a contract with them. Um, we had, you know, bought all this inventory. We bought all the bags. We had custom bags made and so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, the contract said, okay, we agree to buy 10,000 over a period of, of six months or uh, 60,000 over a period of six months, right? Because we had procured all this product. Um, and this is, uh, uh this is the second year we were, we, we, you know, I had Sumerian and, um, we, you know, at the end of the day, we launched the product, we had everything ready. We, th- we had a contract that we thought was okay. You know, yeah. we're safe, legit, legit. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they sold a hundred bags the first month. <laughs> and so we were like, Damn. there's no way there's no, you know, we, it, it really kills your cash flow when you invest something in that. And yeah. then, when you try and take uh, action, taking action is 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 pretty challenging, particularly as a uh, as a Westerner. Um, it's not it's not as easy as uh, as it is in the U.S. to go to the U.S. where they look at something fairly, uh, and I, not that they don't look at something fairly. I think there's just a lot of hidden um, hidden loyalty or hidden trust to the people who are who are local to China, and so we ended up losing a lot of money there. And, you know, another incidents which actually kind of worked out pretty nicely for us is that we got in a pretty big disagreement with one of our uh, vendors, but this vendor was uh, from Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually gave us a leg up, obviously, because yeah. of the, the Japanese and in, 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 uh, China, China history. Yeah, history. Um, you know, it, it came, we got into almost like a scuffle, almost a fight with this Japanese company who was uh, uh, packaging coffee for us into a bag. Uh, you know, the police had to come. Um, but luckily they were all, <laughs> not luckily, not, the <laughs> <laughs> this was one incidence where the, uh, yeah, where the, the, the government the, leaned on to our side. And so that was, you know, you kind of see both ends of it. And then, you know, you know, as, as we were discussing during the break, you know, I did have complications with, with my visa. Um, and this was, you know, this was during a period where, um, you know, I was opening up, boom, boom. I had a, a partner going back to the U S I was applying for visas for new people coming over here yeah. and my visa company at the time. Um, who was supposed to register, forgot. I hadn't looked at my passport. I, it was an oversight by me. Uh, by me. I, you know, I ended up getting a phone call one day um, from, the, from the local police saying, you have to come in. You had overstayed your visa. And uh, you know, it, it caught me off guard. I was like, no, no, impossible. And yeah. I looked at my visa, and sure enough, I had. You know, the next day, I, had, I, you know, I went into the police station, and you know, they kind of laid down the gauntlet for about four to five hours of saying, why did you do this? You know, you, they sit you down, yeah. and you're just getting you know, the same question over and over again. Um, but you know, lo and behold, you know, I had to, you know, my punishment, uh, was spending five days in jail. Uh, and that, yeah, that's an experience in itself. I mean, cause mm. you have no idea what to expect. Uh, you, you, you know, you hear stories, you, um, you know, you're, you're concerned about going in there. Um, you know, when you, and then when you go in there, it was, uh, I've done that. I did it too. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I overstayed, but I didn't actually have to go to jail. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I kind of talked my way out of, it, out of it, and I was lucky enough to, I was in the north, yeah. and uh, I had a, just a great, you know, uh, from the PSB, uh, Public Security Bureau, and uh, 
you know, I, 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 I came to them. They didn't know. I, I, I came and I'm like, I have made a huge mistake. Oh, if anybody's ever seen that meme, you know, I yeah. really, and I'm like, I've been here for like two months over, you know, yeah. because yeah. I had a, I had a one year visa. I just didn't realize I had a 90 day stay max oh, and I was yeah. in month five. Oh, uh, got it. And I'm like, it's my first time. I've never had something like this. Apparently, I'm only supposed to. I'm supposed to leave within 90 days and come back. I had no idea. I asked for a 12 month visa. I got a 12 month visa. I never looked at the details. I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah. You it, know, and I just. I'm like, what do I do? And they're like, well, there's a huge fine. All these things. I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, this and that. I'm like, you know, I'm, I've got a wife and things, and I'm like, you know, like, am I going to be able to come back? You know, and I was like, really. I'm honest about it, but yeah, I freaked out. Pretty funny, but yeah, it, it's a scary. It, it's it's a, it's a scary not mess thing. with that. It's a scary thing, and it, and, yeah. and you know when it, when it had happened to me, I actually received a phone call, and then when you know I had initially thought, you know, having sp- spoken with uh, you know my the visa agency, I had initially thought it was because of my business. I mean, we had yeah. I was going to ask you about like, I, can I pred- yeah. just jump in on that? Have you had people try to fuck with you because you're a competitor? Uh, that's well. That's what or, I or I, just because you're in China doing something and you're gaining momentum, and they're like, ah, this is not okay. Uh, we've I would say you know we we've by our landlord you know we were we got a fine of twenty thousand RMB uh, for supposedly blocking a fire exit, um, and that I mean it was bullshit. Um, you know they I mean if you look at it right now they have scooters lined up but yeah, we yeah. had initially because there, there's a uh, a corridor between one of my venues and uh, another uh property and we were you know people we were having people sit there um which initially the landlord said we could use um and then you know when the landlords wanted to take it back we're like hey no you know it's in the lease that we can take this um you know they called their buddy at the police station the police station came over looked at it took photos and we ended up getting a twenty thousand RB fine. Now, what I would say, also, you know, what what has happened to us? I, you know, I've been sued by two of my employees. Um, mm, yeah. be, you know, typically, really, and then it's and it's easy. Oh, for, that's not surprising. Oh, at all. yeah, it's, I've it's heard quick. that a million times. It, and you know, I think when you're starting out, if you uh, there's the social insurance part of it, and and there's the salary part of it. You know, I think when you, when we were initially starting out, you know, some of the employees didn't want us to pay the insurance, the mm-hmm. um, their taxes, and yeah. they just wanted to take it. And yeah, we're like, fall for that. Yeah, and and you know, when we, but that's in complete violation, and it's easy for them to. Yeah. Sue you, and they can sue you for the same amount. Or you they know. blackmail you. They, or they blackmail you. Yeah, yeah and it's, I, wow. I mean, I've been told it. I mean, it uh, it'll cost you five thousand dollars to hire this Chinese person. It'll cost you ten thousand dollars to fire this Chinese. That's hundred percent. That's a, yeah. It's hundred percent correct. Really? Yeah. It's hundred percent because that's um, that's I have not heard that as much. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, it's common. It's incredibly common. Um, and it, it's you know for me it's you know it, it is what it is. You know you learn from it and you and you you know you go on. You know it's not something that you know can really hold you down. But you know the first time it happened, I was I was infuriated. Uh, but then you know the second time, I was just like. Uh, you know, is, <laughs> yeah, you just you learned it, you got the China. thing, you're like, yeah, yeah I'm it moving is. forward. And that's the it's, that's an interesting thing. You, you you start to come to this as business, and then you look around at everybody getting screwed over, or even just simply getting cut off on the street, and how their their heart rate doesn't even go up a beat. Yeah, and because I think they all just realize that's just the name of the game, and you're always trying to screw anybody and everybody over for an inch you know 80% of them out there that's just the way it is and you don't if somebody gets one over you on you you're just like eh. 
I think that's the best way to deal with it is just to kind of let it go and learn from it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you, you know, just just don't do it again and learn. And and the it's nothing personal. It is it's nothing. the weirdest thing. It's just their culture. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. It's like, oh, you're not a you're like the nicest person in the world, and you just totally screwed me over. And like, well, I, I don't know what that means, but I'm doing this because this is what we do, and. 100%. It's just like you're looking at them like, this is a really evil, awful thing you're doing. You're like, I don't get why you're saying that. I, this is just, 100%. you know, it's like, it, ah. so the first girl who sued me, she then went on to open up her own cafe, but she continued to be a customer in my cafe. And she, ah. when she opened up her cafe, she had asked us to use our coffee and our bagels. And I'm just like, how, how could you? How could you even build up the confidence to ask? That? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I mean, you just you literally sued me. Uh, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, no. I, I, this is did this you do is it? Something that's no, 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 no. I just, <laughs> I, uh, because I mean, you know, after that experience, you're like, would you want to work with this person again? No. Yeah, I mean, would I want to keep on yeah. participating now? Correct. Yeah. So. I mean, because I mean, there are the ones out there who are good. Who like to yes. be good? Who don't appreciate this in their awesome. own culture? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they they really would rather not see it be that way. Correct. And they actually are the ones who are the, the few that you know take action and and uh, I mean in daily life, their daily life to not be that kind of way. Correct. Yeah. Uh, well, this is like you want to find those. But what? But what, what I would say this is that there there is a lot of. It, there, there's a lot of different way of thinking here in China, particularly amongst the people, uh, mm. particularly amongst the, the, the mm. local community. But, you know, if I was, uh, you know, I was asked the question, would you open up a Sumerian or a bar in, in California and, you know, versus China? And I think, you know, mm. just just the uh, the licensing, the permitting that's required in California <laughs> and in the, the cost of that investment far outweighs you know, the challenges here in China, mm-hmm. you know, here, for example, getting a, an alcohol license that's done in three hours. Yeah. yeah. Uh, selling beer on the street. Is that illegal? I don't know, but we do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I've I, gone past Dogtown <laughs> a number of times on a Thursday or Friday around five o'clock and there'll be like 10 or 20 people outside your place, just out on the sidewalks, oh, having beers, just, just as just a congregation on the sidewalk. Yeah, that place yeah. is popping. People walking on the sidewalk are going on the street to go around the congregation Correct. on 100%. the sidewalk. <laughs> so there is, so there, there is a lot of challenges, but there's also a lot of, you know, just hidden uh, opportunities that you're just like, you know, if, yeah. if you think about it and you're able to, you know, you, you've been through the, the gauntlet enough, you're kind of, yeah. you know what you can kind of get away with and what you can't get away yeah. with. I mm-hmm. feel like, I feel like we're highlighting all of these opportunities that are worthwhile to come, but also at the same time, we're giving light to these, uh, struggles that are totally hidden for that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what we're doing here with the podcast, right? It's yeah. Just but, no, but this is, yeah, yeah. But even, even in this like brick and mortar, because I feel like you get so much, uh, feedback because you're you're always talking with your customers. You're you're with your customers there. You're talking with everybody involved. You're you know the, if you're not there every moment touching every part of your business, it's probably not moving forward. Correct. Yeah, you're, you're right. And so we, there is there is you know I do get a lot of exposure into that. And but what I you know I, I think at the end of the day, um, you know if you wanna if you wanna start a business and you're considering where to start a business, the U.S. or China, there is definitely a significant amount of challenges in China, but I think there's a, the opportunities here do mm. outweigh it. You know, like, you know, for example, my, you know, my B2B business for, for wholesaling coffee, you know, we've been able to secure some incredibly large clients that in the U.S. it would just never happen because mm. we're, you know, there we're a dime a dozen. And in China, you know, we, we do have a, a bit of a leg up because we do have, you know, exposure to 
doing business in the West. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you another yeah. question then. And I've experienced all the opportunity and everything, and, and I fully, fully understand that I've leveraged it all. What I've started to notice with people who are here, they're successful. Uh, they've been through a ton of stuff, you know, opening up, you know, Jared at Sinisworld and stuff. Yeah. But their personality um, and their outlook is not swayed whatsoever. They're not dissuaded by being, by being here in the Chinese culture um, because it's not the same. They, they don't mind that. It's, it's something like they have just a different list of priorities of what makes them happy. Correct. You know, which is different than mine, you know, which is, you know, one of the reasons that I'm actually looking to get out. You know, it's just, it's just the things that I put an importance on in life are different and, you know, so, so I'm moving on. Do you find yourself, you know, thinking about leaving because there are things about being in China, um, just as a person living, livability, you know, uh, the things you like to do with your time. I mean, we've talked all business pros, um, and opportunities, but what about the other stuff? How much, how does that impact? The quality of you would yeah. say, like, again, for the listener who's thinking about coming over, it's like, I can handle those challenges. I want to go for it. I want to do that. There's another side of being in China and that's actually living your life. Correct. So what I would say is, you know, this, everything I'm doing now and everything I have done since I've been young is, is for, uh, you know, the end goal, which is, you know, essentially, you know, being somewhere where I want to be, let it be a beach, let it be, you know, an island, you know, wherever. Mm-hmm, but th- mm-hmm. that's that's the end goal. And I know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have to make sacrifices in the early stage. And I'm, you know, I'm in an age where I can deal with these challenges. I can deal with a, a different culture. Uh, you know, I'm at the stage where I can make those sacrifices. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, the quality of life here in China it's pretty good. I think it, you know, it definitely takes a open-minded person to come here because you're going to be exposed to, you know, people shitting on the street. You're going to be exposed to nah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, spitting, littering, littering, yeah, eating animals caged, selling yeah. them, yeah, you know, you know just you know, pet animals, um, correct? <laughs> and you know, I, and there's, you know, there, if you have an open mind and you're able to deal with a lot of the the, the what we've, what I think Westerners foresee as negative aspects of a particular culture, I think it's it's fine, and you know, I think you have to realize that you know that you're not you're leaving the U.S. and you're going to something completely different. Yeah, and if you have an open mind, then yeah, you know you, you can do it. Let's let's bring this into a lightning question. Um, oh, you got a lightning question? Two okay, questions, go. lightning <laughs> round question next because we actually are just about up to time right okay. now. Okay, sure. Would you recommend someone to follow the same path you had, and would you also suggest that? The, the environment is still ready for people to bring their ideas or to build something that you did. So for the, for the first question, uh, would I recommend following someone following the same path? Yes, 100. percent I you know I think what you first need in order to be successful in any business you do is determination. You don't necessarily have to be the smartest. You don't necessarily have to be the most clever. So you don't necessarily have to have the best idea. You just need determination, and that will purvey over a lot of these yeah. challenges. Hard work, passion, hard, hard work. Correct. Yeah. So I would say it, you know my 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 route that I had took was. Um, it was good. Um, I, you know, I think going going to school, then going and working into a corporation and kind of getting that exposure, is is nice. I don't. Is it? Is it required? No. I mean, um, it's 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 just it's nice to have that how things work in mm. a, in a larger company before starting a smaller company on your own. And I yeah. and I was I was able to expose myself to a large and then coming in here to China with only four people in the Apple office. So I was kind of you know it was it was mm. nice in that sense. Now. It's, I mean, it's there's just so many different opportunities that haven't been brought or introduced into China in 
Yes, definitely. Yeah, awesome. I, I mean, there's opportunity everywhere. Yeah. There is opportunity, but you know, I think when you, when you when you look at like the, the U.S. for example, you know, that was looked as I guess you could call it the last frontier, where a lot of people had migrated to the U.S. to start to start different businesses, mm-hmm. and barriers to entry are a lot more expensive, and there's you know, there's a lot more players here mm-hmm. in China. You know, you have a Western idea or you have a new idea. There's a lot of room for you to be successful if you were able to. Uh, cope with a lot of the challenges. Hey, thank you so much for uh, being on our show yeah, and, yeah. and sharing all this great yeah. information with us. We really appreciate yeah. it. Good. Congratulations. Good to be here. Thank uh, you. Kudos on all the success and everything you've done. And uh, and uh, yeah, it's really, really amazing. So. Cool. And I don't know thank if uh, the listeners could, could hear, but uh, Dave's got two amazing yeah. dogs on his lap this whole <laughs> podcast which doesn't give any description to our audio listeners these two dogs uh, the cutest these, like these the cutest dogs <laughs> what are their names uh burrito burrito's one uh, my favorite food yeah, mexican burrito. food yeah dodo's the other one that was my uh my ex-girlfriend gave her that name okay. um, which means coffee bean yeah. um and i constantly have to explain that it's not after a bird yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, the dogs and the brown one is burrito the and the brown white one is, is, yeah. is coffee bean uh, <laughs> uh, yeah okay excellent all right thanks if people want to drop you a note or get in touch or uh send you a bunch of free money how would they get in touch with you uh uh we have uh how do you spell sumerian s-u-m-e-r-i-a-n or you can email info at sumeriancoffee.com. Awesome. Cool. All right. As usual, thanks very much for yeah. you for coming on. Thank you to Vivian, who's uh, kindly and patiently sitting over there, uh, marking all of the things that we need to edit and taking care of us and making sure that we have guests and just been generally being an awesome producer. David, our sound producer uh, behind the scenes as well. Ryan, thank you for being here. And to you, our listeners, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.